0: Stay Doomed is part of the IWEP Podcast Network.
1: Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the Television Graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We've come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode, like this one. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Woolahan
0: I wouldn't be so critical of the performance of the Minutemen.
1: We are doing the 1992 pilot, 1775.
0: Yes! A whole year before the revolution! Yeah! Yeah! But before we do... We should probably pour one out. What do you got there, Laura?
1: I have heavily taxed tea that we tax those colonists for.
0: Oh, Laura's British.
1: <laughs> what do you, What do you have? Well,
0: this takes place in a tavern, so I got myself a nice beer. And because it takes place in Philadelphia... I have a golden wave from Hawaii because that's what was in our
1: fridge. We definitely had some Philadelphia beer in the fridge.
0: I think I drank all the Philadelphia beer.
1: We definitely at least had some New Jersey beer in our fridge.
0: If you're talking about the Trogues, there's no Trogues. which is not even Philadelphia. That's a Hershey beer.
1: I was going to have a... uh, I was going to have the Wawa beer because the, the beer idea was originally mine. And then Noah was like, you should have tea because yeah. you're British.
0: And then I'll have a beer. Because he's a
1: tricksy colonist. <laughs> <laughs> Viva la revolution! So the American Revolutionary War also started in April 1775, which is something I wanted to point out. Which I'm pretty sure they didn't know, the people <laughs> who wrote this show. Right. Because they don't know Anything about the Revolutionary War. They have at best a third grade understanding of the Revolutionary War. Yeah, they
0: don't seem to know much about the Revolutionary War or the history of America or how to make a TV show. But let's get into this. Yes. This is the worst theme song I have ever seen in my history of doing Stay Doomed. It's just, like, a flute for, like, two minutes.
1: It's like a fife and drum.
0: Yeah. No lyrics.
1: Like, this is not uncommon with a pilot. Like, they don't usually, like, splash out on the title sequence. Yeah,
0: but think of like, Puppet Man.
1: Yeah, some of them do. But not every... A lot of them do not. Like, a lot of the pilots we've watched have had, like, placeholder for title sequence.
0: I wish they had done that. Because this is bad.
1: But they do very standard um, establishing shots. Like we see uh, that one daughter is bookish, one daughter is rebellious, and one daughter is vain. Yes. That's, so we get that it's about a family with three daughters, and then there's a wacky neighbor. Yes. And in the establishing shot, we get like a watercolor painting Mm -hmm. that then fades into the set, which I kind of liked. I'm like, okay, it's like, Trying to imitate, like, the paintings that you would see. Even though that's not really a type of painting that
0: no. people
1: think of with the Revolution. You would no. probably picture more of an oil painting. Like, Washington crossing the Delaware. Yeah. But, nope, that's not what we get.
0: No. Uh,
1: so we start with a pretty pretty classic sitcom scene. Yes. the da- uh, One of the daughters, Abigail, the youngest daughter, wants a horse. Yes. And it's very much rewritten of the dad, can I have a car from any other sitcom.
0: Yes. The, The major difference here is because it's 1775, everyone's in clunky character shoes. So you hear every damn footstep and it drowns out the dialogue. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. Can I have a horse? No. It drove me insane. Like, how do you... How do you screw
1: this up? I literally never noticed it.
0: Oh, it was the first thing I noticed. I was like, I can't hear you. Stop walking around so I can hear you.
1: But I think it's, I've done so much musical theater. I have like mentally edited out character shoes.
0: I was grump. I was grump.
1: And the inn is not, they, they live in an inn. It's an innkeeper, his wife and their three daughters.
0: Yes. And the inn has a tavern.
1: And the inn is not doing super well financially. No. Um,
0: because it's a sitcom. And no sitcom dad is ever killing it.
1: <laughs> no. And uh, then the middle daughter, Eliza, bursts in. Mm-hmm. And she's screaming about how her hair is not as flaxen as it used to be.
0: Yes.
1: She's worried that her best years are behind her. She's 16. Yes. And I think this is supposed to be, like, based on the idea of that you would be an old maid by 20. This is something that...
0: I was kind of confused about because later on, there's a part where uh, he's upset that one of his daughters is being courted and she's only seven or she's only 16. Mm -hmm. It's like 16 in 1776. hmm.
1: Uh, The average age of first marriage in the colonies was uh, 19, 20.
0: Yeah. So like dating at 16, It's not, like, unheard of.
1: Yeah, like... But she wouldn't be married yet. She'd be courting, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, But she would not necessarily be married. Right. Because I did look that up. Because it was bothering the crap out
0: of me. A lot of this show bothered the crap out of me.
1: But then you could kind of ostensibly get that the older sister... The eldest sister would be barking around
0: 1819.
1: Mm-hmm. So... Uh, well, this man's at the inn like looking to stay for the night and the innkeeper, Jeremy Proctor uh, kind of keeps arguing with him trying to get him to stay longer yeah, to tries- the point where he's annoying enough that I would have probably left.
0: Yeah, he does like the Mr. Subliminal thing of like, you're here for a week, right? Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm just here for a night because he's trying to squeeze every penny out of this man. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't work and it's just annoying. And this is when Wacky Neighbor slash Bellboy shows up? Yes. And he, like, this is the... It's not like an Urkel. Because it's one of those idiots that it's okay to physically abuse. Yes. Because a lot of the bit with him is he says something stupid and then Proctor hits him.
1: With, a lar- with like, a pewter object. Yes. And he kind of comes in as Proctor is trying to console this potential customer that this is not a bad area and the revolution's not coming. Yes. And the bellman is like, Well, sir, i placed your wager on when the shooting will start. I got your good odds on Tuesday at nine (laughs) o'clock. There isn't going to be any shooting. Oh, of course there is. That's how you start a revolution. Which is such a weird place to put a sitcom of, like, people are going to start dying soon. Yeah. One of those war
0: sitcoms. I mean, it worked for MASH.
1: Yes, but MASH... This
0: seems a little lower brow than MASH.
1: MASH also walked that line of, like, addressing the tragedy of war, too. Mm. A lot of the comedy in MASH came from, we are in this miserable situation and trying to make the best of it. Yes. And seeing the absurdity in that situation. Yeah. It never really shied away from the horror and pain. This totally would do that. Yeah. So... Uh, Meanwhile, the mother uh, comforts Eliza, uh, because Eliza wants to be married, and Eliza's starting to freak out about her age. Yes. And she's talking about her sister, Maude, uh, who is the bookish one from the uh, intro.
0: Yes, the oldest daughter is very smart, uh, but... Not very pretty. Because she wears glasses, so she's a nerd. And this show was made in the
1: 90s. And then Eliza goes like, but mother, you were married and pregnant at 16. So mother was a child bride. And uh, Jeremy goes like, well, that was an accident.
0: Her being married and pregnant at 16 would be 17...
1: 50? Yeah.
0: Like again, it's not a huge 1760, scandal. 1760, yeah. I don't know how old the mother is. So 17, She's Well, she's oh, got
1: She's, she's got to be pregnant with ostensibly Maud. So it would be like 1758 or so. Yeah. So like
0: it's not the scandal it would be <laughs> in that time.
1: And then I had a tanty cuz I was like, okay, I can't find data on average age of women getting married in 1776. So I just looked up the first notable Revolutionary War era female I could think of. Yes. Elizabeth Schuyler was 23 when she married. Okay. So that's that's kind of what I was working on. I was like, oh, okay. She got married at 23. So marrying in your early 20s seemed to be about what was normal for a woman.
0: Okay. Uh, we we do have one good line that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, this is the, this is the, um, spoiler, this is the only time I'm like, oh, this show might have something, is Proctor says something along the lines of, You know, Eliza's beginning to remind me more and more of that great aunt of yours that was hanged in Salem. <laughs> this is a topical joke for 1776 that still makes sense now.
1: I guess. I mean, the Salem Witch Trials were in the 1690s.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: So that would be like us saying a topical joke is me making a joke about World War II. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would be the equivalent amount of time. All
0: right. Okay.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not like a great historian, mm-hmm. but I used to read enough uh, Dear America and American Girl doll books that I have... A passing knowledge of American yeah. history. okay. Um, and then Maud bursts in, delighted. Mother, father, in the square today, I was engaged in a conversation with a pastor, and he encouraged me to do the library spelling bee, and I won.
0: Oh, how great.
1: Yeah, and then... We're just
0: sad we didn't get to hear you spell...
1: And then, um, she talks about the word mnemonic, which was her big, like... The
0: word she spelled, yes.
1: Yes. Um, which I looked up and did exist in the mid-18th century. Because I was like, did this word even exist? Didn't even
0: have that word.
1: And so they, they send her in, because she talks about how the, there was a man who was staying at the inn who wanted a beer. They take off her glasses, pull her shoulders down, and shove her out into the tavern. Yes. To make her, I guess, look more like a buxom wench.
0: Yeah. At this point, I write down, this is a sketch, not a show. Yes. This is kind of funny for about four minutes. The fact that this is a 22 full episode that they think is going to be a sitcom is ridiculous. (laughs)
1: And they talk about how they want to set up a ball because Maud broke up with a boy named Ben and they want to send Maud to the ball to rekindle her relationship with Ben. Yeah. Um, so, like, Maud, who we're supposed to act like she's, you know, a lonely spinster, had been in a romantic relationship. She was just coming out of one. hmm And they don't have enough money to buy Maud a dress and a ticket to the ball. And then they hear a scream from the tavern and... It's Maud has spilled beer all over the customer, and she's mopping off the customer's lap. Yes. And then Jeremy pushes her out of the way, and he does it. And then my next note is, Proctor and his wife are so unpleasant.
0: Everyone is unpleasant in this show. It's because there's not as many showers, because there's no indoor plumbing.
1: I really didn't find the, the two, two of the three daughters that unpleasant.
0: I found one of the daughters interesting.
1: Yeah. So then Proctor goes outside, and we see Abigail, who we don't know how old she is.
0: But she's the youngest.
1: Yeah, and she's like a tomboy, and she's kissing a man that definitely looks too old to be kissing that actress. Yeah. And he scolds her and tells her to go do her homework. And.
0: This is where we get the Minuteman line.
1: Uh yes. Well, and then we we see the bellman come in, and he's in like a coachman's outfit. And oh, what does Proctor call him? You look like an idiot. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Kindly, you know, they used to say that about me father. <laughs> if you he were alive today to hear it said about me.
0: I'm sure he died knowing it.
1: Meanwhile, Eliza, the middle vain daughter, and Abigail, the tomboy daughter, are fighting about something. And the governor pulls up in his carriage to the inn. To have, yes. a, to have a glass of wine. And we don't know why the governor's here. It's for this one scene. It's, it's to continue the plot. <laughs> no,
0: to have a plot.
1: <laughs> and the governor is worried because everything's been taxed already and they can't figure out what else to tax. Yes. Because Great Britain wants more and more and more money from the colonists. Mm-hmm. And Proctor goes, well, why don't you just go off and tax our income? And he goes, no, no one, no uh, bureaucrat would be that stupid. Yeah. Get it? Because there's income tax now? Because
0: the income tax is a thing. Anyway. <laughs> Maud then says, well, why don't you tax candles since everybody needs candles?
1: Yeah. After dark, everyone needs candles to see. The revenue would remain constant. So then he leaves and Maud goes, oh, we use a lot of candles, don't we?
0: He's like, yeah. We do. And then he goes around blowing all, all the candles. Basically, it's your typical dad being like, I own the electric company. Go ahead and leave the lights on. Bit, yeah. But for 70, 75.
1: Yes. That's exactly what it is. It's mm-hmm. the like, ah, uh, it's the dad who's turning all the lights on and turning the thermostat way down. Yes. So Abigail, Abby and Eliza are still fighting. Abby wants her own room. Uh, that's really the main...
0: Yeah, which will never come up again. It's just we're trying to get every sitcom plot that you've already known and has been driven into the ground into this new, fresh soil in the hopes that something funny will grow.
1: And then as Proctor retreats from the girls' room, Maud comes up and she's like, don't worry, Dad, I'll always be here. Or don't worry, Father, I'll always be here for you. And it's yes. treated like the most nightmarish thing she could say.
0: Well, then he, like, leans against the door and has a flashback. But for some reason, it's so poorly communicated that it's a flashback. Because it's him, like, as an old man, still with his daughter. And then his daughter, like, pours hot soup in his lap. And then it just cuts to him back at the door. And he's yeah. like, no, I can't let this happen. And I was so confused. I thought that we had cut and gone to commercial. Yeah. Because I think it, like, it gets furry and also goes to black, which made me think, oh, this is a commercial cut. That I thought we were catching like the last couple seconds of a commercial and then coming back. And I was like, oh, that was a dream sequence. This is so baffling.
1: How did this happen? <laughs> so then we do have a commercial like sequence after the imagined spot, and then afterwards the wife emerges from her cotillion with her cotillion dress, which still fits, and then talks about her new hat, which was one hundred pounds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's an insane amount of money in colonial money. Yeah. Yeah, like
0: in colonial fun bucks.
1: Like a single pound in 19- in seventeen seventy six is equal to 160 pounds in 2018. Okay. So that would make this 160, uh, a $16,000 hat.
0: That's an expensive hat. Yeah. I bet the writers didn't actually look into that and and just picked a number that was kind of high.
1: And I get it. Like, I have Google. I'm not living in 1992. (laughs) By the way, I have her listed as the wife because I don't think we ever find out her name.
0: I don't think so either.
1: And she asks uh, Jeremy to borrow money from his brother-in-law, her sister's husband. Yes. And who's his brother-in-law? George Washington. George
0: Washington.
1: So then Proctor goes to George Washington's to show up to Mount Vernon. Now, I need to point out here, Mount Vernon is not near Philadelphia.
0: How far would that how far away would that be?
1: Well, Mount Vernon's in Virginia.
0: That's a hike. And they don't have a horse as established in this. Well, so they
1: have the family nag. So let's say
0: Math is currently happening. Math and geography happening simultaneously live here on Stay Doomed.
1: I'm using um a historic Bar in Philly that I'm fond of. McGillan's Ale House is my Philadelphia landmark. Okay. Uh, by this, it would be a two and a half hour drive with modern day motor cars. All
0: right. What's the... What's the,
1: <laughs> the biking directions, which let's say bike and horse are similar. Okay. 14 hours and 23 minutes, roughly. Okay. So this is weird. And, but like, again... It's super basic research.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you think the writers of this show are going to be bothered to go to a library and look at an atlas? No. They couldn't even be bothered to
1: write jokes! And then uh, Adam West plays George Washington, and in a very uncomfortable, weird sequence. I just well,
0: Adam West plays George Washington, and my first thought was run away!
1: Run away, Adam West! Do you not, I have no part in this? So, the thing that actually stuck with me in this scene is when we do the establishing shot. George Washington is having his shoes shined by a black man, right? Who is never spoken to or addressed, right? And he is the only person of color we see in the entire show. We get one
0: kind of moment where. There's a joke where uh, Thomas, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington says, uh, a man, a fool and his money are soon separated, according to my good friend Ben Franklin. And Proctor says, well, then why haven't you lent me the money yet? And then it cuts to a reaction shot of this black man sitting on the floor. Yeah. I was like, Oh. This show's gonna have slaves in it? This isn't a fun time. Like, who wants to see that? No one.
1: (laughs) Anyway. Who would want to advertise
0: on this show?
1: I mean, and we can even say, like, it was 30 years ago, it was 1992, but still. Like, There's just... There's not a reason to show that.
0: No. (laughs) This served no purpose other than to be like, hey, there used to be slaves.
1: It's just a weird... it's, It's a weird thing to include because they're not making any kind of statement. No. And it's not like... It's not like we have any... ...sense that this is going to become a character? Like, it's really just weird.
0: Yeah, this whole thing feels like they were like, Okay, it's 1776. Name some stuff that they had then. Horses. Good. Put that on the board. Candles. Very good. Slaves. I mean, I'll put it on the board. Feels kind of weird putting it under candles, but okay... There, there we go. Pistols. All right. That's a little bit. Oh boy. Anyway. Anyway, also, Adam I'm, West is great.
1: He's <laughs> got little Warhammer figures that he's playing with.
0: Come over here, Jeremy. I want to show you something. What do you think? What? These are, are these the troops of the revolution? No, they're toys. <laughs> See, this one's a drummer. And this one's an Indian fighter. See his little coonskin cap. Adam West is the best part of this, and then we don't see him again.
1: No, and then, so we get back to Philadelphia, because I guess he had to go away for, he probably spent more money journeying 15 hours by horse to Virginia. Yeah, he's
0: gone for an entire day.
1: Who ran the inn? And we find out the wife has borrowed the money from her sister, Martha. And he's worried because Martha is a gossip. Yes. And then Bert the Bellman has already heard from his friend, the dung sorter, at the fertilizer factory. (laughs) I didn't want to look stupid in front of my friend, the dung sorter. (laughs) But he's heard about... So Martha in Washington has already told everyone the Proctors have borrowed money from her. And this results in an argument between Proctor and his wife. About marrying Maud off to Ben, that Maud walks in and hears, and she's like, "I don't want to marry Ben. Why didn't you talk to me before you did any of this?"
0: Then, yeah, then I think we're supposed to get like the sitcom hugging and learning moment, yeah, where it's like, I should have talked to you, you know, I was just I was being selfish, and you can marry whoever you want."
1: Oh thanks, Daddy. So they go out into the tavern just um just Proctor and his oldest daughter Maud and he talks about like Maud's mother having been plump but then like has to convince Maud that he actually did love her mother but after he calls her plump we see a cutaway of the wife stuffing her pistol with like gunpowder and yeah. a musket ball
0: he was basically saying that he she was fat and that she He only married her because of the size of her dowry. Yeah. And I think there's some like we couldn't take her to the beach on whaling season.
1: During waiting season, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's one of those jokes. And she's just kind of loading this pistol. Uh, then we have the hugging and learning where it's okay to marry whoever you want. And Proctor turns around and sees a pistol in his face. And I say in my notes... Murder him now. Pull the trigger and end this show. If that's how this ended, I would have loved this.
1: Instead it ends with them discovering they have like a dominance kink.
0: Yeah, it gets real kink friendly. I've never felt so so weak and and vulnerable before. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda like it.
1: <laughs> that's funny because well, I've never felt so strong and powerful before. I kind of like it, too. <laughs> and this is such a weird... And then uh, Abby intercedes and is like, do we have to leave the house now? And he goes, you can have the damn horse. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. And they don't have any money for a horse. want to point that but out But he's horny. It's such a weird thing because they hate each other, but at the same time, they imply they've had sex every night. And I was like... What is this weird early 90s sitcom trope of like we hate each other, but also. Yeah. All this the sex? is,
0: I, I swear to you, all this is is someone took a script from Married with Children.
1: That's what I was going to say.
0: And was like, change all the nouns so that it fits 1775. That's all. Don't change the jokes just change the nouns around to make it old-timey. I made a board of all the nouns. Candle. Let's just stick with Candle. The show was infuriating. Yeah. Because it came across as a story written by a fifth grader Who is plagiarizing an essay. Yes. I'm like, no, this is my own work. It takes place in 1775. Get it? Could you imagine if this became a real show? Ugh. It's called 1775. How many two-season plans do you think a show has when its title is about one year?
1: How many... Four-month-long plans because the war starts in April.
0: They don't know that. They have a year, according to them. Ugh. This show... I haven't been this upset watching a show in a while. It did air. I can't believe that it aired.
1: It, it, I mean, it, it's not uncommon for these shows to get a runoff. It aired on September 5th, 1992.
0: It, on CBS? Yes. I... Would sue CBS if my show came on after it. (laughs) I'd be like, you destroyed everything that my... I have no audience because you put this crap on before me.
1: Well, it aired on a Saturday night. It's one of those things of shows back then especially would burn weird stuff off on Saturday nights because no one was home to watch TV. Right. Uh, Especially in the early 90s when you saw the rise of cable... People really weren't watching network TV on a weekend night. Because if you were going to watch TV, you were going to watch something in more of a niche network that you were more interested in. Yeah. I mean, if you were a kid, you were probably watching Nickelodeon. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Snick is not for another year, but...
0: Right. This show is for no one, does nothing, and is...
1: (sighs) I stand corrected. Snick predates this by about three weeks. Oh, okay. Important facts you wanted to. I look, guys. You learned.
0: Yeah, something of value came out of this. This show you sucked, but Snake you guys—you
1: guys have learned a lot. I've given you a lot of facts today. Yes. Yeah.
0: You're welcome.
1: <laughs> oh, father, I, I shall never marry because I'm too into book learning. The um, the uh, reviews for this were poor. No. Really? Uh, the reviews for this were. Abysmal, uh, as you were probably unsurprised to learn. Mm. Uh, Variety Magazine just hated it. Just absolutely hated it. And that was one of the only reviews I could find of it. But it, this was reviled. Like, Who played
0: Proctor?
1: Ryan O'Neal.
0: He seemed familiar. Was he from, like, My Three Sons? No, no, no my, th- my Two Dads. Uh... Some sort of parent, some sort of family member, and a number
1: show. Um, he's best known for the film Love Story. Oh, okay. Um, he's actually a fairly uh successful actor. I'm looking for what he would, he then went on to uh do. Let me see. He's best known for pay uh, one of the his TV project that he would probably have been best known for is Peyton Place. Okay, he was in 501 episodes of that.
0: Okay. Maybe I know him from like a commercial for Peyton's place.
1: He was in one episode of My Three Sons. Okay, I was right. He played Chug Williams. <laughs> Every I,
0: that's I was like that might be Chug Williams. That's exactly what I thought. I'm Absolutely. Very, I'm very good at my job as a TV critic. So I know things.
1: Yes. So yeah, this it was just bad. The sisters <laughs> each have one trait, no more. Mm-hmm. Smart, vain. Tomboy. Uh, The shot where the youngest daughter's kissing a man that looks far too old never needed to be there.
0: No. Like, you could do something where you're like, what would a sitcom look like in 1776 or 1775? But it's not a sitcom dropped into 1775. It is a 90s sitcom... With some of the numbers filed off.
1: It, it's fascinating because it's very it feels very much like a period piece. But not of the period it thinks it is. Yeah. This is an early 90s period piece for sure.
0: Th- this is the best example, okay? Imagine someone was pitching a sitcom. But they're like, it takes place in the future. It takes place in the year two. 2175. And then they just took a normal sitcom and added the word space in front of every noun. But I want the space car. You know We don't have enough space money for that. That's what this is.
1: I was legitimately in a production of a Christmas Carol that did exactly that. (laughs) Called Space Carol. (laughs) Which sounds like I'm making a joke.
0: I am the ghost of Space Christmas Past.
1: I am the ghost of Christmas 1.0. Oh, that's, no, see, that's the thing. That is too clever.
0: That is too clever for what this show was. It was also narrated by Walt Disney's Frozen Head. Sit far too, you did too much work. <laughs> like, if you just took it and just were like, the, the Marlies were dead to begin with. You must know this, or this won't space make sense. <laughs> like that—that's what this is. Ah, uh, question from our patrons. Cold guy wants to know: Is this a prequel to the musical? No, it's not a prequel to the musical.
1: No. Um, the musical is crazy interesting for so many reasons. Uh, the musical was rushed into production to line up with the bicentennial of the United States. It was rushed into being 1976. And uh, Richard Nixon notoriously hated at least one song in it. Yeah. Uh, I believe the song is called Cool Confident Men. Okay. And it's uh, kind of more of a precursor to The Room Where It Happens. Of like, it's very honest about politics. Uh, Cool. Oh, excuse me. Cool Considerate Men. Uh, That's my fault. Yeah. Uh, Cool Considerate Men. And uh, they wanted it cut from the film, but still in the musical. Because, you know, in the musical musical theater world, that's how we roll. Nixon apparently saw the song as an insult to the conservatives of his time.
0: Oh. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. When we were going to do this... I was picturing 1941. Have Mm -hmm. you ever seen 1941?
1: I have not. I know I should.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. It is a parody of the movie 1942. And the whole bit is it's the year before the war really matters. Right. And it's just like this very silly, almost airplane-esque comedy directed by Steven Spielberg. Yes, It's great, and nobody talks about it. Uh, So I was like, I believe it was
1: Spielberg's first flop. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe nineteen forty one did not perform well at the box office. (laughs) I just remember,
0: I was uh, I was hanging out with my girlfriend at the time, and when you're, it was like a high school date, and when you're in a high school date, sometimes you're girlfriend's parents just decide what your date is. Yeah. So we were just kind of hanging out in her living room and he rolled up and was like, we're watching 1941. I was like, what? He's like, that's what we're doing. I was like, okay. So I sat and I watched 1941 and I was like, this is funny. And this is, you know, this is fine. And then I just remember the movie ending and it came up directed by Steven Spielberg. And I out loud went, What?
1: It's seen as a box office bomb because it didn't make as much money as Spielberg's other movies. It still.
0: It didn't. Is better than Jurassic Park?
1: Uh, it still made more than <laughs> twice its budget. That's good. Yeah.
0: It didn't do as well as Jurassic Park, though. What a shame.
1: So, yeah, this.
0: We are so desperate for stuff to talk about because this move, this this show, I'm flustered and angry. <laughs> it was really bad.
1: I do like the idea of a historical sitcom and I think it could work. But I think uh, you have to lean into it a little more. Or at all. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Because I I think about uh, drunk history a lot and how drunk history is always very funny. Right. And like, you could do that. Different major historical characters are played by like special guest stars. And I, I think this concept... Could really be cool, like a revolutionary sitcom, mm-hmm. but it is not executed competently.
0: Yeah, and I, I know you were starting to say this and I just want to go back to it because I kind of interrupted you with a freak out uh, of how this is a 90s yes uh, period piece because this is such a 90s sitcom of like the dad makes all the money and nobody else seems to understand how money works. That's not relatable now. <laughs> Like, now everyone kind of, like, struggles together (laughs) when it comes to money. Uh, Was there something else you were going to say that made this a 90s period piece? Just
1: the, like, the family dynamic. Yeah. The, like, the couple hating each other, but still for some reason having sex all the time. Mm -hmm. It's such a weird... We actually had a conversation kind of related to this off mic, not related to 1775, about how... It's very uh, baby boomer, uh, I guess baby boomer humor. Yeah. Of the, like, I hate my wife.
0: Yeah, the old ball and chain.
1: Which has kind of by that, by now it's gone away and, like, now you get the rise of the wife guy. Yeah. Now everybody, like, actually likes their life partner. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it, it really dates this kind of humor to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say before we give this a verdict. Did you notice... That the layout was identical to Full House. Living room, steps in the background, door that leads to kitchen, upstairs, hallway, bedroom.
1: I think we're thinking about Full House, but I feel like that's probably a very common... like I think that's a really, really common house setup for family sitcoms. I, I mean,
0: as I sit here and think of other, like, homes, uh, that's not the layout of Sabrina. Why was that the first one that showed up? I don't know. In the old brain. It is very similar to the uh, setup f- of um, uh, Family Matters. And it's very similar to the step-by-step layout, except for that hallway. The hallway was the thing that was like, oh, this is just full Sorry. house.
1: Well, the hallway makes sense because they're an inn. So there's going to probably, they wanted to set up like where all yes. the inn rooms are. The, the sitcoms you mentioned all have in common multiple kids. Mm-hmm. Sabrina didn't really need to see the hallway because you really only see her bedroom.
0: I mean, Sabrina, I feel like, wasn't living room kitchen like... Kind of the same room in Yeah, it was Sabrina. more open concept. Yeah, yeah. And I know Mr. Hooper, the house went the other way. The entrance was on the other side. <laughs> Possible bonus episode. The architecture of various sitcoms.
1: Yeah, I, I was realizing when you said that how few family sitcoms I really remember watching. Oh, really? Because I was like thinking about sitcom sets. And I was like, well, that's not what the apartment in Frasier looks like. Uh, I was a broken child.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Watched a lot of Frasier.
1: I I legitimately, in a story I was writing, named a character's teddy bear, David Hyde Pierce. Oh, really? So that she, to signal that she had the same kind of bizarre childhood (laughs) of, I will watch anything if you let me stay up till nine o'clock, damn it. (laughs) The reason I know anything about Egyptology, uh, Mm -hmm. Impressionist paintings, or just British culture... Is if there was a documentary on it, I could stay up till nine.
0: Yeah. I wanted to stay up late, so I got to watch Empty Nest.
1: Nah, I can, I can get that sweet <laughs> sweet sweet Fraser staying up late. Uh
0: so let's give it a verdict. Did stay doomed? Did it stay doomed? It's ah Doom doom
1: doom 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 doom. Please doom, doom, doom. please leave
0: a comment on why you listened to this episode.
1: Yeah, seriously.
0: (laughs) I'm just curious if you were just like, oh, the new Stay Doomed is up, so I want to listen to it. Or if you were just like, let's stroll through what Stay Doomed has. Ooh, 1775. Interested in that. Or if you were like, hmm, I wonder if anyone has said anything about 1775. Please explain yourself (laughs) in the comments (laughs) below.
1: Um... If, if you want a recommendation on something fun to watch, uh, we both just watched Encanto and it was really good. Yeah,
0: watch Encanto. So
1: if you watch 1775 and you need a palate cleanser, uh, Encanto was really good. Yes. I've had the song stuck in my head all day and I've been driving Noah up the wall. Yes. Uh, what <laughs> are we watching next week? We are watching the Netflix 2019 show Turn Up Charlie. Yes. About a DJ who becomes a nanny to his famous best friend's problem daughter.
0: Yes, and you know who plays Charlie, right? Idris Alba. Yes, so this should be good.
1: Yeah, well, he was in cats, Noah. Until.
0: <sighs> Where can people find us?
1: You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed.
0: And if you have a space computer and want to talk to me on space Twitter, I'm at Plus Two Comedy.
1: If you have also been in a misguided production of A Christmas Carol in any way, just any kind of modernization or strange twist on it, I'd love to hear about it, and I'm at Bean Bunny Lives. Until next time, stay doomed.